Welcome back to Night Falls, the bedtime show of classic and original stories designed to guide you into a calm and peaceful sleep. I'm Jeffrey, and tonight I'd like to share with you the story of a winter's day when an unlikely guest stumbled upon the clearing. An academic, searching for a hidden Celtic library nestled amongst the forest. Of course, my friends and I are never ones to turn down a good adventure, so we took it upon ourselves to lend her our assistance. Before we begin, here's a quick word from our valued sponsors who keep this free content possible. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. The bird song, the breeze, the soothing sound of the waterfall emptying into the lake, all the sounds I expected to hear as I emerged from my slumber that morning were interrupted by the footsteps crunching leaves and cracking twigs as they trod their way through the thicket. I knew the heavy thud of those feet didn't belong to Lyra, for she never would have dared tread down the undergrowth. Instead, she picked slowly and carefully through the vines that matted together on the forest floor. I'd never seen her do any differently. I could still feel Devani's warm breath across my chest where she rested her head and I had to fight the urge to draw her close and ignore the footsteps thudding through the forest altogether. Alas, I came to sit, my eyes blinking once, twice, thrice and three times more as they adjusted to the soft sunlight filtering through the pine trees. 
when they had finally adjusted to the morning light, my eyes settled on Wanda for the first time. Wanda made her way into nightfalls with her nose buried so deeply in the central fold of a map that she might not have even noticed her own arrival had I not called out to her from the beach. At first, I think perhaps I'd assumed she was lost. Nightfalls didn't feature on any of the hiking routes I knew of, and Wanda had looked prepared to summit Everest when she first wandered into the clearing that morning. Her backpack was bursting at its seams with supplies, her boots were already muddied, and her coat was sodden with rain she had clearly been caught in before daybreak. Devani and I had to convince her to stay and rest for a while. Wanda was adamant she didn't want any fuss, but we insisted she stay for breakfast by the campfire at the very least. She set her things down before perching politely on one of the wooden stools by the fire. It was only then that I stole a glance at the route scrawled across her tattered map of the mountains. Doubtless, Wanda had been walking since dawn broke the day before to have made it to the falls that day. A dotted black line charted her path over the peaks and through the valleys and a crisp red X marked the spot she sought. The red ink traced over a patch of the mountains that I myself had yet to explore. Her journey would take her beyond Lyra's cottage and deep into the thick of the forest. There were no walking routes there. Wanda would have to cut her own path through the trees. Sometimes it takes time to settle into a comfortable friendship with people or a little while for a new friend to find their feet. As Wanda settled in beside the campfire that morning and Lyra fussed over her damp clothes, insisting she borrow a warm coat and a pair of dry boots before she caught a chill, it felt rather as though she had always been there with us. Wanda's hair hung in tight, black curls. Her eyes were a brilliant, deep brown, and there was a softness to her features that echoed of decades spent treating herself kindly. Everything about her was calm. She sat into her hips, and she was steady on her feet when she walked. Indeed, there was a steadiness and ease to her character that I hoped would rub off on me in time. Wanda's words wore a thick Edinburgh accent, and like most academics, she didn't leave it too long to inform us that she was the one and only lecturer on ancient history at the city's highly esteemed university. Lyra, in particular, seemed rather taken with Wanda, 
perhaps because the women shared that sturdiness, that keen intellect, and perhaps because she rather liked having a friend whose joints also ached a little, until the morning sun had thawed them through. I was cautious not to overstep in asking Wanda what she sought in the mountains. I knew it wasn't my place to pry, and people wandered out into the peace of the highlands for all sorts of reasons. To clear their minds, to calm their thoughts, to search for lost treasures or to unearth new ones. I ought not to have worried myself for unlike all the treasure hunters I'd had the misfortune of crossing paths with in the past, Wanda seemed all too keen to share her trove, and, indeed, offered to lead us right to it. I'm looking for the library, she announced, as though it were the most obvious notion in the world. You might have been better off looking for one of those in Edinburgh, Equipped, desperate to fill the confused, quiet, hanging around the campfire. I have a number of titles on botany back at my cottage, Lyra offered, sounding just as befuddled as I felt. Wanda shook her head, her eyes to the sky as though searching for the words to explain herself there hoping to pluck them from the clouds that drifted over the clearing that morning. I specialize in Celtic history, she began. There is a library here, I know it. It's been here for the last thousand years, hidden somewhere between these hillsides. I've spent decades learning the alphabet the Celts used to document their lives, years poring over books, and deciphering the few ancient texts we have from the era. They all point here. She paused, catching her breath. Wanda's eyes were made bright by the firelight that glazed them as she went on. Look, I don't know my way around the mountains. I'm more keen to cozy up in front of the TV at night than I am to wander out in the mountains and pitch a tent. I don't do this kind of thing, ever, but I have to know if it's there. I might have been more doubtful that a secret, ancient library could exist out in the mountains had Wanda not expressed the very same sentiment that I myself had almost a year ago when I arrived in the falls. She told us that she had felt pulled towards this patch of the mountains, and even dreamt of the clearing itself, despite having never visited it before. Wanda had never considered that these mountains might be home to the ancient library her research told her of, for it made no sense to her that it would have been located in the heart of the mountains. Yet, when she woke from her slumber less than a week ago, the vivid dream stayed threaded through her thoughts and wrapped around her mind. Wanda said she couldn't help wondering if, in her sleep, her mind had continued to turn, 
sifting through thoughts and facts and reminding her of the school trip her class took to the Highlands decades ago to push her to look in the very same location. I've always held the belief that there are some things we know even without knowing. There are some things we simply have a sense for. We can never know how some people are able to make us feel so safe almost instantly, but the body knows who to trust, when, and why. There will always be answers and ideas that come to us that seem so disconnected from any of the thorough thinking we have been doing and disrupt the careful list of pros and cons we have been weighing up. I've learned over the years that it is always wise to pay heed to that intuition, to listen in to the body even when the mind is loud and your thoughts a little unsettled. I imagined Wanda had to have felt the same to have pulled on her walking boots and traipsed out into the mountains despite strong reservations and an overwhelming desire to hurry back home and put the kettle on. I wouldn't have bothered to look into these mountains had I not had that dream. It was just a day trip I went on with my classmates as a girl. I couldn't have been more than 11 years old, she explained. I can't say why it came into my head after all that time, but I thought perhaps I saw something back then. A clue or something of the sort. The next morning I went back through my research and everything seemed to line up a little too perfectly. The descriptions we have of the sun rising over the mountain peaks that look over the library. The details we have about the foliage and farming that went on around the time all seem to point here. She breathed, motioning around the clearing and fizzing with an excitement I hadn't expected from her. I can't make any sense of why the Celtic settlers would have put a library here. Wanda whittled on. Why put a library halfway up a mountain in the middle of nowhere? Why write something and then make it so impossible to read? I caught Lyra's eyes across the fire and silently conferred with Devani. It was clear the magic had a hand in Wanda's return to the falls just as it had for all of us. I too had experienced vivid dreams of childhood holidays in the highlands that drew me back to the mountains years later. I wasn't sure what Wanda knew of the forces at play and nightfalls, and I certainly didn't want to doubt her, but I couldn't help thinking someone so caught up in books and papers, research and reports, might be a little unwilling to acknowledge the magical power that flowed over the falls. My friends and I had stayed quiet about the magic that hung in the air around nightfalls, waiting for the opportune moment to ease Wanda into the idea. Instead, we vowed to go with her 
deeper into the mountains and assist her in her search for the ancient Celtic library. Wanda pulled her boots back on, stomping a little to shake the dried mud from them. She pulled on her raincoat and began fumbling with her map once more. Then she took the compass that hung around her neck and began to pivot slowly on her heel. Devani and I would have been happy enough to let Wanda lead the way, but Lyra plucked the map from between her fingertips whilst she was busy bashing the side of her compass and willing it to spring back into action. Lyra folded the crumpled paper as neatly as was possible and tucked it back into the front pocket of Wanda's coat. The historian looked a little startled by the action, and perhaps by Lyra's proximity too. It was as though Wanda hadn't even noticed she was no longer holding the map until my friend had tucked it back into her pocket for her. Their eyes caught on one another's, and suddenly the quiet of the clearing felt rather charged. I think I know the very place you're looking for, Lyra stammered, stepping away from Wanda and trying to hide the blush that stained her cheeks by busying herself with the buttons on her fishing vest. When every last button was sitting snug and her vest was drawn together, Lyra turned on her heel and wandered out of the clearing. We followed Lyra through the ravine, Otto splashing along beside us. The schnauzer had taken quite a liking to our newest friend, maybe because Wanda had not so discreetly snuck him half of her bacon rasher at breakfast. Otto made it his mission to lead Wanda through the flattest, safest parts of the ravine, ignoring the rolling boulders I know he generally preferred to leap across. When we made it to Lyra's clearing, I was rather taken aback by what she had done with the place. The mountains had grown colder over the months, and I had not ventured far enough from the campfire to realize that sweet summer blossoms still bloomed in the grass around her cottage. The soft, golden light that bathed her patch of the mountains reminded me of the summer I was ready to welcome to the clearing once more. Devani and I commended her on her efforts, and I caught her smiling to herself, trying not to seem half as proud as I knew she was. I wasn't sure the spell would work, Lyra confessed, keeping her voice low to avoid confusing Wanda. I spent all summer collecting sunlight in jars and crockpots. I was worried it was a fool's errand, leaving pots of water around to soak up the sunlight. But I read somewhere a few years ago that if you add a little lemon to water and leave it in direct sunlight for long enough, you can preserve the light and jar it up. 
The light won't keep for more than five months in the pantry, mind you, but it's certainly a start. She beamed. That's incredible, Devani marveled, stretching out a hand to feel the light on her skin and gasping softly when she found that just like the summer sun, the magical light that shone down on Lyra's cottage felt warm. I didn't realize anyone lived out here, Wonder called from the back of the group. I do. Lyra smiled as she guided us past her little cottage and over the next ridge. When the thatched roof Lyra slept beneath each night disappeared from view, she continued to lead us down, down, deeper down into the pit of the forest. Perhaps Wanda could sense we were closing in on the library from the descriptions she had studied and the ancient scripts she had spent years deciphering, or maybe the magic of the falls had a hand in guiding her through the trees, over the thicket, and deeper into the sleepy forest. We followed her unquestioningly into the pines and beyond the weeping willows, the deeper we wandered into the thicket, the quieter it became. It was as though the earth itself was deep in slumber. No wind whistled through the trees there, and no birds twittered from the tops of them. It was perhaps the quietest, calmest corner of the mountains I'd yet to visit. We might have walked like that for hours, pushing through the thicket together, but it was impossible to tell how much time had passed once the tree canopy had thickened and begun to block out the afternoon light. This is it. I'm sure, Wanda whispered, her assertion barely audible as she stood stock still before the tangle of thick vines in front of her. You're sure? Lyra asked hesitant to disturb the forest in its slumber unless absolutely necessary. Oh, as sure as I'll ever be, Wanda murmured. When we had pried away enough of the vines, Wanda ducked through the small gap and disappeared into whatever unknown wonders waited for her on the other side. One by one, my friends and I followed her. The quiet emanating from the other side of the divide in the moments before I clambered through the gap left me feeling certain that the library we had hoped to uncover was nowhere to be seen. When I finally got a look at the small clearing that had been shrouded by the twisted vines and wisteria for so long, I saw nothing more than a collection of crumbling stone pillars. The pillars themselves were not much of a surprise. Anwin and Lyra had told me before that over the years hundreds of people had made a life for themselves out in the mountains. Artists, explorers, adventurers, and even architects looking to work with all 
and only the properties nature had to offer them. Ufunda was disappointed not to have found her library. She handled the heaviness of that feeling well. I say we keep looking, Lyra asserted. We still have a few good hours of daylight left to look for it. Wanda was already running her hands over the crumbling pillars, tracing her fingertips over the crevices that cut into the stone. This is it, she hummed. This is the library, I asked, dumbfounded. It is, she murmured, her eyes still on the stone before her, as though she couldn't quite believe it herself. Look, Wanda called, beckoning us over to the pillar she stood before. These standing stones are covered in ogham. The ancient written alphabet consisted of a series of notches, some with crosses through them to denote letters, and others with dots beside them to mark out vowels. Ogham has its roots in Ireland, but ogham stones can be found at a handful of sites in Scotland and Wales too. I had thought perhaps we would simply find a few scattered on the ground here that I could photograph, but I've never seen anything like this. These are almost as grand as the ones in Calanay, and one can only assume that rather like Stonehenge, those rocks and these two formed part of some kind of astrological observatory for the Celtic people. It sounded almost as though Wanda was reciting from a textbook when she spoke, and after a while, I began to think perhaps she might even have been the one to write those textbooks on Celtic history. Wanda began to read, running her hands over the faded notches carved into the stones. Each pillar told her just a little bit more about the people that had once made a life for themselves in the mountains. As she moved from pillar to pillar, her eyes closed as she felt through the story. Wanda told us of the people that lived in the mountains thousands of years ago, of the games they played, of the stars they charted, and of the stories they themselves told. There are two schools of academic opinion on how the Ogham alphabet came about, Wanda began taking a brief respite from translating the notches into ancient words and then into ones my friends and I would be able to understand. Some say that Ogham was only created to ensure that members of the Roman Empire, who spoke Latin and knew its alphabet, would be unable to decipher or understand what was written on the stones. It's said that Ogham stones provided a secret mode of communication for the Celtic people who worked hard to protect themselves from the Romans that had settled in the south of England. The threat of Roman rule extending from the south of Britain may well have spurred the Celtic people to create their own private written dialect. The second school of thinking is that Ogham provided Celtic people, particularly from Ireland where the stones are most prevalent, with a way to communicate in their native language and takes into account that the sounds that made up the early Irish language were rather difficult to fit into the Latin alphabet. Wanda went back to studying the stone pillars. 
and Lyra made it her business to give Nightfall's ancient library something of a dusting down. I watched her gently touch flower petals with her fingertips and coax them into glowing softly as the night drew in and darkness settled across the mountains. She unpacked several soft throws from her rucksack and spread them out on the ground so that we could sit comfortably between the pillars and listen to Wanda with the stars shining brightly above us. When Wanda finished, she finally turned her attention back to my friends. I thought I might make the space a little cosier if we're to spend more time working here, Lyra explained, motioning to the plush throws she had adorned the space with. Wanda practically glowed at the offer of help from Lyra, and if she noticed the soft glow emanating from the wildflowers, she didn't mention it. Her eyes looked tired when she said, I think perhaps my mind is rather frazzled for today. I'll set up my tent and we could begin again in the morning. Nonsense, Lyra huffed. I've plenty of room. You'll stay with me in the cottage. I wouldn't like to put you out, Wanda insisted, but I knew her protest was in vain, for I have never met anyone capable of insisting like Lyra can. This way, Lyra demanded, turning on her heel, wandering out of the library and back up the hillside. Stay out here in a tent, I heard her mumbling as she paced ahead of us. It's the middle of winter. She shook her head as she led us back home. With Wanda settled into Lyra's cozy cottage, Devani and I made ourselves comfortable and tucked into another of the cottage's spare beds. The day had been a long one, and as I cozied up beneath the covers that night, I found myself sinking deep into the soft mattress beneath me and even deeper into sleep.